0: The promise of America is being squandered. How are we going to restore our nation back to a sensible citizen-centric government? Welcome to Reimagine America with Joyce Cordy. Joyce is a businesswoman, not a politician. And she's here to offer pragmatic, possible, and postpartisan solutions for the 21st century. Now, here's your host for Reimagine America, Joyce Cordy. The
1: Democratic National Convention is over and the republican national convention starts on monday. well you know the two the two do share some things. there won't be any balloon drop and you know that's a good thing because it's environmentally conscious and it's pandemic friendly because instead of balloons we need all that latex so that we can make gloves for essential workers. you know what else will the two conventions will share, Hollywood stars. The Democrats had Kerry Washington, who played a White House insider and mistress to the president for years on Scandal, which used to be, I'll confess, must see TV in this house, and Julia Louis-Dreyfus, who plays Veep on the very funny show by that same name. Well. The Republicans have Scott Bio, or is it Bayo? I think it's Bayo. You know, I'm sorry, I don't really remember what show he appeared on, but I think he was a child star. And you know what else they have in common in those two conventions? They've got remote locations for the roll call of the states to put their candidate in nomination. The Democrats. Did theirs from all over the United States, the District of Columbia, and all of the territories. People in their native costumes, people of different backgrounds, people having fun. The Republicans are going to have theirs from Raleigh, North Carolina. With masks, sitting six feet apart, because that's by order of the state. Of North Carolina. You're listening to the Reimagine America Radio Hour. Yeah, I'm a businesswoman, not a politician. I solve problems. I don't make them. But sometimes I anticipate them. And that's a little about what this particular podcast is about. Well, one of the things that the Republicans and the Democrats will not share that I find of some concern is who is paying for these extravaganzas. The Democratic National Committee paid for the Democratic National Convention, except for the Secret Service protective details. Advertisers paid handsomely for the opportunity to hawk their wares during the blessedly brief broadcasts on network and cable television. With the Republicans, it's a little bit more complicated, wouldn't you know? Now, the roll call of the states from Raleigh on Monday evening is going to be paid for by the Republican National Committee because they're having their business meeting in Raleigh, North Carolina the broadcast will again be paid for by the sponsors who are hawking their wares before, during, and after the convention meetings. But for the next three nights, Republicans in Washington, D.C. will rush back and forth between the Andrew W. Mellon Memorial Building and the White House. Just so happens, coincidentally, equidistant from those two buildings, right in between, is the Trump Hotel, with room rates bumped up to 800 to $2,000 a night for Wednesday and Thursday. Whoever is paying for the hotel rooms um, will be either state political parties, lobbyists, or wealthy donors. The rest of Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, well a big part of that is going to be paid for by guess who? You're right, you the taxpayer. Yep, Melania had the rose garden remodeled for the event. The president plans to give his acceptance speech on the South Lawn in front of a thousand or so of his uh, best friends. And so they're erecting a big scaffolding on the South Lawn. They've asked for a permit for fireworks on the National Mall. That will require a major cohort of National Park Police and uh, similar personnel to pull off. And you know what? All of that staff from the guards at the gate who are going to pass people through on Thursday night so they can sit on the south lawn to the park police who will be used to the um, various folks in the administration who will provide administrative and other support. To the speeches and so forth. All of those people, oh, and by the way, um, the uh, Kushners who are planned, who are proposed speakers, are both paid members of the, or formal members of the administration. And that means all of these people are violating the Hatch Act. The only federal employees who are allowed to participate in overtly political acts under the Hatch Act are the president and vice president of the United States. So um, you might say that even Melania is in violation of the Hatch Act, but I don't think anybody's gonna pay much attention to that, do you? So on Saturday afternoon, you know, the afternoon before this gets posted, we still don't know what they're going to call the Washington part of the Republican national convention because the convention is being held in Raleigh, North Carolina. So what do you want to call the Washington meeting? A three-day rally, a coronation, whatever you think is appropriate. It's fine with me. Now, I watched most of the Democratic National Convention on MSNBC, and you know why? Because there were no commercials. They just showed, you know, they had a bunch of commercials before it started, I understand, I didn't watch that part, but they showed the two hours gavel to gavel, almost exclusive of interruption from the the trio of women on air personalities who apparently um, because I didn't I'm I'm not sure but I I would surmise from um, where it started at six o'clock had had um, bunches of people on to talk about what, the, what you might see in the hours before six before six o'clock Pacific and nine o'clock Eastern time because you know they had to have something to say interspersed with all the commercials that paid for the part I watched, (laughs) which was commercial free. Now, I'll admit that I did watch part of Brian Williams in the After Hours show. And that's because he had James Carville on every night and Carville really is still the Rage and (laughs) Cajun. You know, he also had John Meacham on who is still the biographer of George H.W. Bush and he had David Pluff, who is still doing his best to try to make Barack Obama not just better, but perfect. You know, he still finds things to criticize. The viewer could turn in early in anticipation, or you could stay for the after-show analysis, as I did, but that's really your choice. I mean, I would go watch for a while, and then I'd go take my... Um, power walk in in the after right after dark <clears throat> and i flipped around i always do so i watched a little of nbc television a little bit of abc and abc kept interrupting with commercials and that kind of was distracting and i understand cuz i didn't really watch much of it that fox drifted in and out as they thought best um, in terms of helping their evening hosts to make whatever the host points were. So after watching two hours every night for four days, my hat's off to the Democrats, okay? They had me. I mean, I enjoyed it. It was a great show. They had me from their nationwide zoomed into your living room star-spangled banner to the parking lot fireworks in Delaware. I followed the narrative. I enjoyed the visuals, both the testimonial and the cultural. And by 8 o'clock Pacific time, 11 o'clock Eastern time, I was done. In my case, it meant I could turn my attention to dinner and the rest of the evening And if you were in the East, it meant you could turn to your evening news and uh, if you wanted to, and then um, turn in for the night. But you know what? The whole thing, you know, because I am a businesswoman, so sometimes when my mind starts to wander while I'm watching some of this, I think about, so what's the follow-on economic model for these more traditional sources of news and related information? How do they continue to compete with live streaming when the price of entry for the major broadcast networks is magnitudes bigger higher of difference than so-called live and on online streaming. The question is much larger larger than just the contest during these um, conventions between streaming and traditional television. Although that is becoming a billion-dollar question in and of itself. You know, this pandemic has had winners and losers, and streaming is one of the winners. Over the last four years, alumni of multiple presidential campaigns have made multi-millions of dollars commenting on the foibles and triumphs of one Donald J. Trump depending on whether you were watching MSNBC or Fox News or CNN, you might see different faces, but they have this one common thing that, you know, they've made a lot of money commentating. I would like to get a share of that money. If you lose your Senate race or you lose your Congress race, magically, you become an expert on all things political, social, economic, mm, 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 not so much, and those ex-federal prosecutors are now judicial experts. And boy, they've had a steady stream of controversy and criminality to comment on over the last three and a half years. But what will these political news channels and the junkies who hang on them hour after hour, what will they do if Joe Biden wins the November 2020 presidential election? And you know, that's a 50-50 question. So ah, it occurred to me, what will they do? How will they be able to continue? You know, Joe's promise to be in the White House doing the work rather than appearing morning and nightly on TV to the cheers of his acolytes. So I've started worrying. I thought I actually was Wednesday night as my mind was wandering away. I was out on my power walk and I was thinking, you know, what are those networks going to do with all those contracted high priced gig workers if Joe Biden wins the election? I mean, If you're in the White House doing the work, it means that there are lots fewer breathless breaking news stories. And you know what that translates to? It means fewer viewers per hour, less advertising revenue, fewer high wage gigs. I mean, these guys are gonna have to think about maybe not in California taking a second job with Uber. But after Wednesday's well-orchestrated introduction of Kamala Harris, Kamala Harris for the people is catchy, isn't it? But after her introduction as the steely serious number two worker bee, to be, right on schedule, came a glimpse into the future of cable news networks. Should Biden, the boring, win the November election, changing the narrative, if not the channel? Yeah, right on schedule, Steve Bannon was indicted by the Southern District of New York, what feds like to call the Sovereign District of New York, on wire fraud conspiracy and money laundering conspiracy charges. Common everyday white collar con man crime now steve the you know the last chairman of the trump campaign in 2016 and the first strategist in the trump white house well he is the seventh or is it the eighth crony to face criminal conviction And it came just a day after the Republican-led Senate Intelligence Committee released the final chapter of its several year-long investigation into Russian interference in the 2016 presidential campaign. And that report, that 996-page report, well, the first bullet leads off with Paul Manafort, the former Trump campaign chairman, now a convicted criminal who was sprung from jail by the COVID pandemic and is now under house arrest. And I am sure hoping for the stone treatment at some point. This is a guy who has mixed feelings about the November election. the pardon could come sooner, but what would be the price? The GOP Intelligence Committee staff wrote, throughout his work on the Trump campaign, Manafort maintained an ongoing business relationship with a Russian intelligence officer to whom he passed non-public campaign materials and analysis. So what did Kalimnik do with that data? And why did Manafort share it? with a Russian intelligence agent? Well, you know what? That is one of the great mysteries left unsolved by the Mueller report. And you know what? The Senate couldn't come up with an answer either. But free the FBI to go looking and I'll bet you they can. We might still discover the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth if the principles involved had different incentives, if you follow my drift. You know what else that committee report confirmed? It confirmed that in 2019, the committee led by a Republican, a Republican majority Senate Intelligence Committee had referred several Trump officials for possible lying to Congress, investigation, and potential federal prosecution, and you—it's a list. It's a who's who's list. Some of the people they referred are Donald Trump Jr., Jared Kushner, Eric Prince, and yes, our old friend Steve Bannon, and some others less familiar you know what, the referrals were not acted on by the Justice Department, but the statute of limitations on those crimes doesn't run out until 2022. So if Joe Biden were to win the election, a Biden attorney general still would have almost two years to determine whether or not criminal charges should be brought. Steve Bannon, are you feeling a little warmer? And then there are the Trump taxes. Cyrus Vance, New York City's district attorney, is one federal appeal court decision away from finally executing a search warrant on Mazar's USA Limited Liability Corporation for eight years of the Trump family personal and Donald's personal and... Uh, um, Taxes and the Trump corporation's taxes, and the subpoena affidavit that has been filed and up and fought over for a couple of years now, claims. That they're seeking evidence in the case of potential tax fraud. And more lately, they've added insurance fraud. And you know, they do have all the Deutsche Bank records. We didn't know that until recently. We didn't know what Cyrus Vance already knows. So you know what? Between my musings about the future revenue potential cable news channels on Wednesday night while I was out taking my power walk and the time that I finished my coffee and morning papers on Thursday morning, I felt pretty reassured that a whole lot of those MSNBC and CNN gig workers and Fox gig workers will still have profitable opportunity to pontificate for profit, even if there is a Biden administration in 2021. Now, I'm a little concerned, more concerned about the Fox News channel. I do have my doubts about how they will fare in 2021 should we have a Biden administration. And remember, I still think it's a 50-50 toss-up. If Biden wins, do you know what Fox is gonna have to do? Fox is gonna have to change its model because it's gonna have to out-crazy, out-conspiracy theory a new Trump TV network. And I don't know. I really wonder if the hosts on the Fox News channel, who I glimpse occasionally, are up to the job. So I'll be watching this week, tune in this time next week, when I might have some thoughts about whether or not my bottom line point of view sees a period of self-reflection coming in the lives of Hannity, Pirot, and Ingram.